Blog Talk Radio. Well, you may throw your rock, hide your hand, working in the dark against your fellow man. But as sure as God made black and white, what's done in the dark will be brought to the light. You can run on for a long time, run on for a long time, run on for a long time. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Go tell that long-tongued liar Go and tell that midnight rider Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter Tell him that God's gonna cut you down Tell him that God's gonna cut you down Tell him that God's gonna cut you down Welcome to Walls in Our Minds. This is Terry Dodd, and I'm here tonight, uh, Boy, it's going to be an exciting night tonight. Uh, Red Beckman should be uh, popping in and joining us here in just a short while. And our producer, Dr. Kate's a little under the weather, so I don't really expect her to bounce in, but she's liable to. She uh, hears our guest tonight and gets excited about this conversation. Uh, we, may, uh, we may hear from Kate. Um, as always, before I introduce our guest tonight, I, I do want to open us with a prayer. Almighty Father in heaven, we acknowledge you as a self-existent one, only self-existent one in this universe. Father, we recognize that we are in the midst of a huge spiritual battle, and we've got a lot of, a lot of bad things coming our way that right now, and we need you. We need you to go before us. We need your spirit to guide us. Uh, we're just thankful that we, we know that you're there and that the final victory, the ultimate victory, is yours. We pray that what we do tonight uh, brings esteem to you, that uh, we, can, we can lift up the truth and bring it forward tonight, that you would, you would help us bring forth the truth uh, for our listeners. And uh, we're just thankful that uh, your son, Yahshua HaMashiach, is our Savior and our salvation. We, uh, we thank you for that gift. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I am uh, honored and privileged tonight uh, to introduce our guest, Dr. Bill Deagle. Uh, Dr. Deagle is a physician, pro-life physician. He's a board-certified family medicine specialist. He's also the liaison and activist and teacher for the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine and the American Academy of Environmental Medicine. But He's very well known. Uh, I'm sure most of our listeners are quite familiar with him. He has his own radio show. He's been a radio personality for a long time. He was here as a guest on Walls in Our Minds a little over a year ago, and we're really glad to have him back. We should have had him back before now, but um, uh, we're glad to have him tonight. And uh, Dr. Deagle, uh, please say hello to our listeners. Uh, welcome, everybody, and don't be afraid to call in and ask tough questions. Now, before I get started, I want people to understand something, because what's going to happen tonight is not natural, but supernatural. Now, I, those people who are listeners to my show, I raise a question, because I'm a believer, that if you present me with any question in any sphere of human endeavor, any problem in any area, I will provide you an instant answer or a framework to find the answer on the air live. Now, people say, well, you must be that smart. I said, no. 10% of the time or less, I know the answers. But while I'm presented with a challenge, the Most High God inspires me and gives me the answer live on the spot. 
So you need to understand when you ask me a tough question, I will be just as surprised as you are sometimes with the answer. So you need to understand that things are going to happen tonight because we are in the end of days. I personally, for example, when I sat in the boardroom of the Colorado Board of Medical Examiners trying to see if they could harass me because I was the point man under Reserve Admiral John Hughes in radiological and biological terrorism. And I know you went over my CV a little bit. I'm going to give you a little bit more of my CV so people understand exactly who I am. I taught myself quantum physics in grade 11, so I got a special scholarship to go to MIT in plasma nuclear physics. I turned it down to the consternation of my high school teacher who already had a master's degree in physics. And I went into honors biochemistry, and I finished my PhD research project in five months by sleeping on the lab floor at 21 on marine genetics. My grandfather was dying of diabetes. When I went into medicine, I was told by my professor that I was the smartest PhD candidate that they ever had at our university, Dalhousie, which is the sister of Harvard. And we actually were working with the Woods Hole, Massachusetts, so, uh, and the uh, Bedford Institute on advanced work. So I was a charter member of Greenpeace 45 plus years ago. When I went into medicine, I found that my colleagues didn't understand basic science. And in fact, I per repeatedly persecuted and I asked questions of my professors because it embarrassed them because they didn't have answers to them. When I graduated from medicine and residency, three years internal family medicine because I did specialty in both, I started work with Dr. Otto Hewen, who is the head of pathology at the University of Calgary to find the cause of diabetes. We based our research on Dr. Kraft's work at the University of Chicago. And out of that research, within less than a year, we discovered that diabetics have high insulin. And we did the first and only test where we measure not only an insulin glucose tolerance test, but we measure a number of other brain and peripheral hormones, including glucagon, T3, reverse T3, which I brought the test from Germany 37 years ago, and a number of other hormones. And when I presented my data to Dr. McEwen at the Ron Curry Diabetic Research Institute, it was like being on the set of The Exorcist. He started cursing and swearing and throwing things around his office and threatened to have my license pulled for doing the research. The next year, after I went to a blizzard, through a blizzard to Edmonton to meet Dr. Roy LaRiche, the South African director of the College of Physicians and Surgeons, and almost died in the blizzard trying to get there. It took me over 10 to 12 hours at 55 below zero. <clears throat> the next year, I was doing work with Dr. Chungan Vujidani at UCLA on the toxicology of how toluidiacyanate formaldehyde and trimelotech anhydride from diesel fuel were adjuvants causing toxic autoimmune disease, peripheral neuropathy, cardiac induction problems, and dementia. And again, I got a call from Roy LaRiche. This time, I told him that uh, Jimmy from the UAW was very proud of me doing my research. In fact, they didn't have separate oxygen systems but because of my research and the work of Chung and Vujidani at UCLA, it was going to become regulations in the States and Canada that they had to have separate air systems. And I had been receiving death threats at night for three weeks beforehand. Somebody tried to ram me off the Crow Child Trail freeway. And of course, being an aggressive character, I put my T-Bird in and got a hold of his back bumper and shoved him off the freeway. When Roy called me, I called and told him that Jimmy just called me and said, if you, if, uh, Anybody bothers you, Dr. Deagle, in his good Italian accent, all you have to do is call me and they won't bother you ever again because I've been getting death threats for three weeks. So when I told Roy this, he quit three weeks later and he never asked me to come to Edmonton. Now, I've had this attitude since I was six months old because my first word was not mommy or daddy. It was the word no. 
and I have a backbone, and I'm not going to harm my fellow Christians. Believe me, I see the truth, and I'll call the truth, and I will provide, and I will give all the credit to the Most High God because He empowers me with the gifts of my ancestor Moshe or Moses, because I'm a black blood descendant through our family name and Maronite Christians in Lebanon called the Naimas, which is the Naomi tribe, which is the my ancestor married the daughter of the king of the Medes and took on their tribal name 2,800 years ago. I have several hats, and this ticks off some people, especially Christians, but they're going to face the music tonight. My first hat is I'm a physician. The second hat is I'm an occupational medicine doctor. Third hat, I'm a burn doctor, a toxicologist, an intensivist, and a surgeon, and a scientist. But I have another hat, and that hat is I'm a Christian prophet. Now, what I know is, as I say, the Lord is not my opinion. There are several three-by-five cards of things that I know that are not open to my dispute or anybody else's. And if that offends them, tough. Just like the ancient prophets, I am called to say the word of the Most High God because we are at the end of the days. Now, I was born... 65 years ago, February 15th, midnight, 12.05, in Providence Hospital, Michigan. And I was born, I had a golden veil over me, but I was born because I had a footling breach of leg and a cord popped out. And the surgeon, Dr. Ollie, said he had to do a craniotomy to save my mother's life, which is to crush my skull, because he said there was no way to save me and my mother. My father threatened him that if he did that, he was going to kill the surgeon before he got into the operating room. So he didn't do a craniotomy but he delivered me dead on arrival. So I was dead for 26 minutes with the last bright sitting off to the morgue. And I came back and they said, well, most certainly he'll just die in the ICU because he certainly has brain damage. I guess I do maybe. Maybe that's why I'm the way I am. But at eight and a half, I had a French surgeon do a tonsillectomy on me, cut an artery in my neck and I bled to death. And I remember walking around the operating room in my little Johnny shirt with blood all over me and nobody would pay attention. So I walked through the door, tried to push on it and everything went faded to black. And all of a sudden, I was speeding down the tunnel of light, begging God that it was going so fast, it felt like my, I was going to be pulled apart. And all of a sudden, I was in heaven. I was at the gates of paradise, and I met Yeshua Jesus face to face. Now, what he showed me, I said, where am I? He said, you're the gates of paradise or heaven. This is the eternal now. Nothing evil can come here, and whatever comes into your mind is. There is no past, present, and future. It is all now. I said, can you show me? So, of course. He said, do not cross the silver, the little wooden bridge or the silver cord will break and you will not be able to go back to earth. So I didn't. So he took my hand and took me over the Golden City and I could look through the floor, the, 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 the roadways and the buildings and they were made of gold so pure you could see through it. They were just transparent. And he showed me things not only here on earth but throughout the universe. So although it's not lineal time, the amount of things that he showed me would be equivalent to being with God for 500 years. So I know things that I don't discuss with my wife, my children, or anybody I've ever talked to. I'm going to say a few things tonight that you're not going to hear and have never heard from anybody else on earth. What you need to know is before he sent me back, he says, well, what is your decision? And he was speaking to me telepathically, and I said, I don't know. I don't really want to go back. I mean, this is heaven. You know, showed me the countryside, the food, the creatures. It was beyond anything you could ever imagine. And I said, well, I thought, well, I want to do the right thing. So I said, 
if I'm to go back, show me what I need to know. So all of a sudden, I'm looking down over the earth, and I'm about 400 miles up with a Johnny shirt on, and God's beside me. But now it's not Jesus with a golden sash and his hair a reddish auburn color and vertical hatch marks across his forehead and holes in his wrists and ankles. Not his feet and his hands, but his wrists and ankles. But I saw the Father, the hair as white as wool and the eyes of flame and fire, and he had a, a purple talis on with a talus spattered with blood. And I'd never seen it because although my family were Cohen's, I never I was raised a Roman Catholic boy, so I never had seen this before. I'd never seen a talus, especially when slattered with blood with Hebrew symbols on it. And I heard a voice behind us that said, Behold the voice of the seven thunders. And I looked down, and God was pointing toward the earth with his index finger and his middle finger, and I saw fireballs rising off the earth everywhere, but especially over the United States, the lower 48. And each time he would point, the first time when he did, I looked, I thought, this is exciting. And all of a sudden he looked at me in anger like, you don't get it, kid. And I thought, uh-oh, I'm taking off God. So I shut up and I looked, and next day, all of a sudden, they turned into mushroom clouds. And I saw buildings falling like dominoes and tsunamis rising and the earth opening up with magma everywhere and women slitting the throats of their children and horrors happening, things I can't even imagine. Even now, it makes me choke, and I'm a trauma surgeon. Burn unit. And I looked and saw a scroll come across the sky and a meteor shower coming down on the earth and I saw millions of people dying instantly and I cried and I said why did you show me this and he turned to me and held both hands and he said at the time of the end you will know and you will tell my people he said now if you go back and you do not obey me you go to the place of annihilation you're not guaranteed to come back here to heaven if you disobey me. And I said, I love you so much, God, I'll go back. So the silver cord became taut like a cable. And down to the cord of light, the tunnel of light, I went. I remember emerging and spitting blood and waking up 18 hours later with IVs in both arms for blood. And they said, well, he's back. I had to be in isolation for three months at home. They couldn't let me go to the school because they thought I would die of infection because I was so, <laughs> I died, basically and come back with tons of blood poured into me from transfusions in both arms. Well, I was a little good little Catholic boy. I served in church for six days a week. And I was a high altar boy. And, of course, I shared my testimony with the Catholic church nuns because I went to private Catholic school. But at 14, a priest tried to attack me and sexually assault me. So I punched him in the stomach. He was a giant, six foot six, former missionary. And ran from the church and realized God was real, but he didn't go to church. So until the until the mid-80s, uh, when I just before I met my wife, I always prayed when I got in trouble with it because I knew God was real. But I didn't, figured I didn't want to go to a public church. I knew God was real. But I didn't find him in the church because I was so assaulted. Now, when God got a hold of me, though, and he did, he put me through a lot of things to make me pro-life. And believe me, that's another whole story. But you need to understand, when I stand here today on my voice, it's a laying on not just of hands but of voice tonight, 
you need to take me seriously because I've been sent back from the dead twice to warn you people of Earth what's coming. And I'm going to give you technical information about things like Fukushima and Vault 7 and other things that no other human being has conveyed to you, Snowden or WikiLeaks or anybody, and I'm going to provide you with solutions that come not from me, but from the Most High. And you need to understand that, that I am simply a mouthpiece for the Most High. I am his son and servant. I am not a mortal one. I'm an immortal one because I have been sent back from the dead from the threshold hold of heaven to tell you things that if you reject them, and again, I'm going to give you a warning. Jesus says, though you, O Israel, you slay the prophets between the brazen labor and the holy of holies. And you don't slay them by slitting their throat. You slay them by rejecting the word that they give. So if you don't accept the words that I give tonight, which you should take and go and pray on. You are slaying me, and you're bringing grave judgment on you, your family, and your nation, and mankind. You need not take it that seriously. Don't just reject this and say, well, I think Daigle's a nut. I think he's a narcissist. I think he's this, that. I don't have ego anymore. I am submitted to the most high, and I don't do this for my own good because I'm not a point man. I don't expect to get more points from God from doing these things. I do them simply because I love God, and he's given me the love of mankind. This is not the love of a man. So when I give you this information tonight, three things I expect you to do. Number one, pray on it. Ask better questions. And then do something about it. Don't just sit on this and quiver and shake. And don't confront your friends and relatives expecting, well, I'm sorry it'll upset them or it's gonna, they're going to think I'm crazy. I'm following a cult leader. I'm not a cult leader. I'm not expecting cult. I'm not a cult leader. I don't want to be worshipped or thought I'm super special. I'm not. Anything that God has made in me is in everybody else nascently. I'm not special. Okay? I'm no more special than my daughter with Down syndrome or the little girl with, with a birth defect or the child with spina bifida or the elderly person dying at 92. I'm not special. I'm a hyper-empath. I can feel the suffering of my fellow man and what I see coming chokes me. One of the things that God showed me when I was driving back after saving one of my patients back 25 years ago who wanted to put a shotgun in his mouth and blow his brains out. And I'm a nervy character, so I went over to his home and I said, look, I'm going to pull that shotgun out and I'm going to get you into the hospital. So I did. He didn't kill me or him. And afterward, God said, I'm going to show you the abyss, Deagle. I said, God, i got to drive back in a winter storm. And this was really bad weather. At the time, I'd come back from Georgia to Nova Scotia for a few years to run a multi-doctor practice. And he showed me this place where all these souls were following in the darkness alone with the agitation of hellfire. And I said, my gosh, who are these? They are these, who, he said, who will come to this place of annihilation. He said, if you do not obey me, he said, they're beyond counting. He said, there are countless millions. And I choked up so much I couldn't speak for over a day. You need to take it that seriously when you have a witness for God. That your witness, you don't get to heaven. It's not a ticket to go because you're good and God likes you just enough. You only get to heaven as a group ticket if you take other souls away from the place of annihilation and separation from the Creator. And this challenge, like Fukushima cheat tonight, that people have been trying to ignore for years, and now they're getting scared over it and don't know what the hell to do. 
or stack vaccines or vault seven you need to know i'm going to provide you with the facts and solutions october 10th 1993 i'm praying face down in my bedroom in nova scotia coming back from georgia in the trauma and burn unit at a private practice i had a multi-doctor clinic they were by the halifax international airport in nova scotia and God sent me an angel, and he said, I'm going to take you to the place from which the mark of the beast will come. And he was cracking jokes. He wouldn't tell me where it was, but he showed me all these facilities and walked me through it in the spirit, just like, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge with the angels. Live. Walking through arrays of supercomputers and through production facilities for microchips and all kinds of things. And he gave me even the technical details. And then he finally said, okay, it's where this particular pastor, Dutch Sheets, is. And I said, well, I know about him. He's in Christ for the Nations in Dallas. No, it turned out he had been moved to Colorado Springs six months earlier. And when we called the placement agencies, they said, well, there's no jobs there. Everybody wants to move to Colorado Springs. So in January, February of 1994, my wife, Michelle, called the hospital. She just had this feeling in her dream that she should call the hospitals. Well, the second hospital called and Joyce Wolf called and said, we want to bring Dr. Deagle down to interview because you've done research on chronic pain syndromes and toxicology and all these things. Well, you'd make a perfect guy for us at the St. Francis Hospital CECOM. We just have to get you presidential security clearance because you're working on all these classified tier one science projects, including U.S. Space Command, Strategic Defense, Star Wars, the Virtual World Project, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I have a photographic memory, and I have a mind like a mental clamp. So four days later, I flew down, and I got the job next to Major George Swinder, so I was next down to the commander. And I've seen things in the flesh on July 10th, 1994, less than a year later, that I was taken through in the spirit with the angel. Now, I could write not a book, but an encyclopedia of all my experiences I've had, including on and off the radio, and many, many things that you just, you'd find, this is not possible. This guy is just an inventive, creative liar. I'm not. I'm telling you the truth about things that you can cross-corroborate. So when Vault 7 came out a few days ago, saying a tiny fraction of what I know about the Virtual World Project at Shriver Air Force Base. I feel further vindication 18 years after I got persecuted by, by my 42 City and Israel tour with the Prophecy Club and speaking on Prophecy Club Radio. And of course I wrote the two books, Clay and Iron and Abortion Armageddon that God dictated to me audibly. So you need to understand when I'm speaking tonight, I'm speaking as a scientist, as a toxicologist, as an expert in nuclear physics, but I'm also speaking to you as a prophet of the Most High God to give you a warning. This is the end of the secular age of humanity on this planet. This is the end. This is not a rehearsal. This is not you're going to get things fixed and everything's going to be good for decades or centuries. This is the end of the road for humanity unless we submit to God. The human race will cease to exist if they do not listen, hear, pray, and respond. And right now we have the trumpets of God. God has a sense of humor. He even sent Trump and Pence to tell us that he's going to send the trumpets of God to warn us that this is the last administration in America. I refer to it as Ephraim America because the Ephraimic nations that became apostate and were cast off by the Medo-Persians across Europe, you know, like Norway, for example, the tribe of Dan, Denmark, is a land of Dan. Do not people understand that this is a tribal group of Dan? Do they understand that these were apostate 
Uh, Aaronic priests were the druids that actually managed these peoples. Do they realize that the modern incarnation is the nation of America, conceived by uh, as a new Atlantis? Do they not understand that God is bringing back the two houses of Israel, the state of Israel, brought back in unbelief, a fig tree without fruit, brought back as a communist nation with kibbutzim, by the labor Zionists, which we've had Barry Chamish on my show many times, it makes it very clear, the labor Zionists made sure lots of religious Jews died in slave and work camps, starving to death and dying of typhus and other infections. So I'm hoping and I'm praying I'm praying to the Most High that I can touch not just you with words of knowledge, but spirit words, the laying on of voice, so that the Lord God may save you and your relatives who are caught in your own narcissistic belief systems that somehow you know better than God or God's messenger sent to save you from your own pseudo-intellect and ideology that will destroy you in your false religion and apostasy within your faith. So let's start with Fukushima Daiichi. And I've had just talked to Chris Harris today. Last time I had him on was about um, maybe a little less than a year ago on the Nutramedical Report. Now, there's a number of experts speaking, including uh, Mishu Kaku, who's a nuclear physicist and journalist on Jeff Rant's program. I was on Jeff Rant's roughly for five years and several months, roughly once a week, because I was the only medical expert speaking on this program on these issues that actually belonged to the American. College of Environmental Medicine, but also the nuclear division of ACOM, and a nuclear toxicologist, plus background in nuclear physics, chemistry, and genetics. So there's nobody, publicly speaking, anywhere on planet Earth with my qualifications. And I'm not boasting, I'm telling you. So when I tell you things, like 530 sieverts per hour radiation coming out of reactor number two, you need to understand what's really going on in Fukushima Daiichi. They cut out the berm so that tsunami would strike it. There are other areas just further up the coast where they didn't cut the berm down, and that tsunami would not have struck the reactors. They did not have diesel generators up high enough behind the reactor to keep the uh, turbines going to prevent the loss of the outside, what's called a torus. And they didn't. They had a faux torus, so they didn't even have proper containment of the hydrogen, so their engineers argued with each other whether they should release the hydrogen from the Taurus and it caused an explosion that blew the roof off. And so it was one disaster after another created by them lying and creating inferior equipment and inferior procedures and not doing anything correctly. Remember, TEPCO is an umbrella company. All the service companies for TEPCO are American. So we want to accuse the Japanese. It's American service companies that were responsible. And when we look at these four reactors, and their cooling pools were not properly checkerboarded. They were not properly set up. They were using old Mark I-style reactors. They didn't have a sub-reactor uh, containment uh, system set up to catch the corium that went through the reactor core basin, the bottom of the reactor. Uh, reactor number two, reactor number one, by the way, was sitting literally right on a fault zone, so it would actually crack the reactor. Before the tsunami struck, the actual reactor core was cracked already. And reactor number two went, went hypercritical. They did the exact wrong things by not properly blowing the hydrogen. They actually had an explosion and blew the roof off. Reactor three is a MOX reactor, mixed oxygen fuel, which is what was used at Savannah River because I was the, one of the doctors taking care of the Savannah River plant 
the only plant in America that makes nuclear detonators for warheads, so I know all the radiotoxicology and how you make a nuclear warhead. And so they were making warheads against international conventions and the post-Second World War rules, and we were fully aware of that, that Japan was making nuclear warheads, plutonium detonators. Now, when the cooling pool above reactor 3, hydrogen blue, it blew chunks of their debris pile up to 90 kilometers away from the reactor site. Now, right now, the real big panic is the Japanese government are forcing the evacuees back to these radiation sites, and there's wild animals, including boars, running all over the place, mutated vegetables, and all kinds of other things, and a lot of the children that were exposed, and they're trying to say now it was less radiation, are basically radiological dwarfs, which means that their pineal gland and their basal nuclei that release the the uh, pituitary and the hypothalamus did not properly release growth hormone or other hormones, so they're actually radiological dwarfs. Now, the Japanese are going to try to make the best demonic or Luciferian solution out of this, which is the most advanced, and by the way, there's research in China and elsewhere, in America and Italy, and has been going on for decades, on growing fetuses in artificial uteri. In fact, I presented two papers in 1992 to the Canadian Royal Commission on New Reproductive Technologies. The first was on fetal tissue transplantation for a number of illnesses which were going on in our university for the diencephalon of people with Parkinson's disease. And in order to transplant for just one side of one brain, you needed low flow suction and an anatomical dissection of the fetus, not a high flow suction where you pull the fetus apart in pieces with a high flow suction curatage. You actually take the entire de novo fetus and dissecto the diencephalon while it's alive in an anatomical dissection in the abortuary. Okay? And lots of research is going on in five major centers in the world. And then the other issue that was going on that people need to grasp here is that they were growing artificial uteri in laboratories in the university in Italy, northern Italy, near Milan, and also at Georgetown University in the United States in the 70s. And they stopped growing them at 20 weeks because they knew beyond that it was considered, quote, viable. You need to know they've been working on this for decades, and they've also wanted me in 1977 when I got accepted at UCLA to work in a residency with Dr. Wallace Tortolot at Santa Monica at the VA and also UCLA to work on the World MS Tissue Brain Repository for the world, all the brain tissue being brought to UCLA's special repository center they're scanning electron microscopy in the immunology lab, but they wanted me to work on four DARPA projects to create super soldiers. So Dr. Deagle's been exposed to a lot of tier one science because they knew they had a lot more clues than the average doctor, and they wanted to use them for the power of evil. That's why many years ago, a year before my daughter was born, I was visited by the Pindar himself. So you need a grasp that what's going on here is so damned evil the average mortal person can't conceive that it really is existing. So that's what's going on. Now, what are we going to do about it? Well, I'll tell you the solutions. I just went over them very briefly with Chris Harris, who is our nuclear expert. He works in the nuclear Navy. That's not his real name. That's his radio name. Because he was a little fearful. I'm not fearful. I, I, people say, well, how come you're still drawing breath if you were telling the truth, Eagle? Supernatural protection from the Most High God. I got to say, it's a miracle that literally every day I get up and I'm still alive. Believe me, the powers of darkness would like to extinguish my light and the truth that I'm going to say to you. And someday, 
I'm going home to heaven. But before that day, before the last molecule leaves my mitochondria, I'm going to tell you the truth. Whether it makes you want to vomit or get diarrhea, you're going to face it. And you're also going to ask the Most High God to keep you in a safe place and give you solutions, which I'm going to give you today. Now, the first thing is Fukushima Daiichi is a catastrophe of galactic proportions. The amount of radiation being released over the past six years is many thousands of times more than Chernobyl or Three Mile Island or any other facility on the planet. But worldwide, there's over 600 reactor sites like it could go nuclear or if they're hit by a nuclear bomb. Because most people aren't aware of this. If there is a nuclear war, one of the first target sites of any nuclear attack is not only hit military bases, but civilian nuclear reactors supplying power to the nations. Europe, France, America, whatever. And these reactors, in the words of Albert Einstein, are dangerous and stupid. He said it's the height of stupidity, this is Einstein, to boil water with fissionable material. Now, in the 1920s, Nikola Tesla told Marie Curie, who was developing a claw hand, playing with radium and other isotopes, that he could help to break down our isotopes. Now, I'll tell you exactly in a list of what they should do to Fukushima. The first thing they need to build up is a separate reactor containment area wall and reserve off the coast of, of Fukushima Daiichi that prevents any steam tubes and water from the groundwater getting into the open ocean so they can then convert that water into a solid nuclear waste, which we can do. We have the technology to do that. And it needs to be great and double-hulled ships to very deep mines, and there's a couple real deep mines like zinc mines where you could put the isotopes in special containers that would prevent it from going hypercritical by letting it not get together. And you don't start with kitty litter like these idiots did at the WIP reactor in New Mexico that caused it to end up going hypercritical and having hydrogen above the, uh, the top of the, of the storage container. So when the hydrogen exploded, it caused a hypercritical reaction and a nuclear release into groundwater and sites where they're fracking hundreds of mines. So when they're fracking all these areas, all the gas and oil coming out was radioactive. And they don't tell you this, do they? That your fuel going in your vehicle or your, you know, your refinery is radioactive, but these idiots didn't lie, lied to the public and didn't tell them the truth. So the first thing that we need to do, number one, is we need to put Kevlar spider silk tents over every reactor site and filter the air over each reactor and cooling pool. The second is we need to identify the corium with muon detectors and ground penetrating radar, and we need to put barriers in so that the corium doesn't get together. Because as this corium starts to sink down and maybe agglomerate, it goes hypercritical, and you can actually fly over Fukushima Daiichi, and you can see neutron beams coming out of the ground with such high energy, it hits the neutrons at night, especially at sundown, where you can see blue sparks, uh, literally blue lights coming out of the ground going into space, many kilometers, hitting the nitrogen and creating a blue light just like a light show if you're going to the amphitheater in Los Angeles. So that needs to stop. They need to identify where the corium is, and they need to put down a hyperosmolar um, solution that will actually block the neutron flux. And we can do that. That's number one. Number two. Number three, they need to make certain that they stop the hypercritical reactions in the fuel areas uh, above because there's deterioration from what's called neutron annealing 
of these fuel bundles in the cooling pools. And you're not going to just cool it with 300 tons of water a day, which is now being dumped directly into the Pacific Ocean. Now, remember the quote from the Bible in the book of Revelation, and I saw that one third of the ocean shall be poisoned with Chernobyl. Now, if you look at the history of Chernobyl, Chernobyl in Russian is wormwood. And wormwood, if you go back to the history about, about uh, uh, the wandering of the Israelites in the desert after they left it, Egypt, was that the waters were poisoned with Chernobyl or wormwood, and, and Moses had to clear the water so it was usable by the animals and people. Chernobyl is radioactivity. It's not just red tide, like some people like these idiots call Sorsha Falls and Nuns of Sorsha Falls. These are disinfo ops. There's a lot of unqualified people speaking, and there's also a lot of disinfo ops, and these are disinfo op idiots. Firstly, if you have red tide, it's coastal. It's not going to be able to through the whole oceans. We have 20,000 dead zones in the ocean because we've been polluting with heavy metals and toxins, etc. Plus, with the radiotoxins from nuclear reactors released, especially after Fukushima, We've damaged the ozone layer, so the ground-level ozone, which destroys the benthic layer of the oceans in the top 10 meters, that supplies the Earth with 80% of the world's oxygen, has been now seriously injured. It's like giving the world chronic obstructive lung disease. The world's oxygen since Fukushima in six years has dropped from 21% to 19%, which means we're dying. We're not going to die. We're in the process of dying. And we could make a genetically engineered form of phytoplankton that can withstand the acidity of the oceans because the upper benthic layer now, we have 20,000 dead zones, some of them several hundred thousand miles in area on the oceans. And particularly over areas where the oceans are oxygen depleted, things like these giant um, squids are actually taking over good parts of the Pacific Ocean. They're very dangerous for fishermen along the coast of the western coast of South America. And they're very dangerous for fish because they eat the fish and they have an oxygen-depleted water. So jellyfish and these giant squid don't need much oxygen. And as a result, we're turning the oceans into hell. So one-third of the oceans are being poisoned with Chernobyl. It's another one of the great plagues, a warning sign that's the end of life on Earth. We, because we are not doing something about it, are becoming, in a sense, passively the extinction-level event to the end of life on Earth and of the human race. In fact, if it continues, the human race will have to exist in domed cities to have enough oxygen to even, to even be able to mentate because once you get under about 14%, your frontal lobes, which require a lot of oxygen, don't work. So you have no executive functions to stop violent or crazy behavior. In some cities like Sao Paulo, Brazil, and favelas, already the oxygen has dropped to levels which are dangerous for frontal lobe activity. So if people see more and more bizarre behaviors, not only the, I call it the collective unconsciousness that's going crazy with memes of crazy psychology, it's the danger that we're now literally depleting the planet of oxygen and killing life forms and increasing ground level ozone layers. By the way, ground level ultraviolet light also photoactivates smog like trimelitic and hydrides and pine terpenes, which become the most dangerous form of non-radioactive toxic pollution you can imagine. These are DNA, what's called uh, adductors. Now, besides the radioisotopes, we have basically tritium and deuterium that are coming out of hydrogen, but radium, tritium and deuterium, which are heavy water, coming out of Fukushima. And these are what's called DNA intercalators. They actually slide your codons of your DNA one base pair 
And that means that you break the DNA. These changes, by the way, take usually two generations before the human race no longer can reproduce. So we are now almost halfway through one generation. We have 14 years left, and the human race will not be able to functionally reproduce except in a laboratory environment with polar body exclusion, genetically engineered laboratories. And the Japanese are already experimenting with this. Now, this meshes perfectly with the plan of the globalists, which are completely satanic with Vault 7. Because when I was taken by the angels through on October 10, 1993, and then later worked and took care of employees working on the Virtual World Project, this is a summary, just a little brief summary, and you can ask questions about it, what I know. Because I know more about the Virtual World Project, which is the matrix, the system for creating the mark of the beast, which is basically a coding system. A lot of this is actually already developed in, you know, Oak Ridge National Labs and Affymetrics in Chicago to create the DNA biochip. And I'll give you specific and exquisite details that no one else on Earth has ever told you. Okay? I'm not just going to give you a little. I'll give you the whole meal deal if you want to know. The DNA biochip also means in the coded numbers for that, they can tell your tissue type, just like when they tissue type you when you go to a Laude prison camp in China. They also... If they have your geolocation of your cell phone, they can hit a microchip if it happens to be implanted in you to kill you instantly if they want to take you out. Now, if you don't think this is really happening, you're a fool. If you don't think what I'm saying, I'm just trying to scare you, I'm not trying to get anything from you except save your hide and your soul from eternal damnation and separation from God. So take it damn well seriously. Donald Trump is struggling against a beast. That's why I refer to Hillary Clinton as the Hilda Beast, because her family cursed her. They were warlocks and witches for many centuries, the Rodhams, before she ever showed up on the scene with her mentors that basically said she was going to be like Semiramis and bringing about the introduction of, of Satanism and the occult to American culture. So when you see people like Rosie O'Donnell saying, yet, yet, or Madonna saying, I'm very angry. I've been thinking a lot about blowing up the White House. Why are these people not arrested? God help me, I don't know. Why are we tolerating leaks about the government when Trump, the apprentice boss, is not pointing his finger and saying, you're fired? Why are we not seeing the intel agents please cleared out with idiots like liars like Clapper already lied before Congress and should have been prosecuted already? Why are we surprised when we hear Vault 7 coming out saying all these things about the weaponized tools to even listen to your Samsung TV and your conversations in your bedroom. Why are we surprised that they have the ability not only to do scalar geolocation of your cell phone, but do you not understand that they can actually create scalar frequencies that can affect your DNA or even your mind? You don't believe so? You're uninformed, because I know they can. And I know how they do it, too. So we can solve the problem with Fukushima Daiichi and even the radiation release of the oceans with a thing that's similar to my ancestors that learned how to crack diamonds and cut gemstones. Nikola Tesla said this to Madame Curie back in the 1920s. Every subatomic nucleus of, an of a basically material that's going to radioactively decay and create an isotope can be shattered along a specific fault zone to create non-radioactive daughter molecules. And he told us to... Madame Curie. So if we simply know the decay frequency 
of the subatomic particles of an isotope, you can create a reverse frequency that'll shatter all the nuclei in the environment to create a subatomic, basically clearing frequency that'll shatter the nuclei along faults inside the nucleus so that it becomes non-irradioactive daughters. This kind of technology is the only thing that's going to work because it's now in the environment. It's not only in crustaceans, which is why the Chinese won't buy our crustaceans from British Columbia, California, and the Baja, because they do not want to drink and eat crustaceans and scallops and whatever that are radioactive. Now, the benthic layer of the oceans and the coastal areas, and I've talked about this with experts, one a Canadian diver up in British Columbia, and the man was getting a great deal of persecution, even lawsuits and threatens from the, from the U.S. and Canadian government for releasing the information. But these intertidal zones are the first to die. In fact, they're so toxic that even the bugs were dying in the carrion birds. So if you don't take it seriously as this bioaccumulated radiation happens, for example, within five days after Fukushima Daiichi when the radiation cloud finally hit, uh, say, Washington State, the average person was absorbing five highly radioactive particles per hour. Now, if you don't think this is going to cause a bioaccumulative effect and cause strange behavior, abnormal genetics, mutation of their germ cell lines, their ova and sperm, and birth defects, as well as premature aging, you're not paying attention. So I'm providing you with solutions. Kevlar spider silk tents, control the corium, create a containment area, convert the liquid waste to solid, put a, uh, a uh, use technology to block the neutron flux so there's no more uh, hypercriticality occurring, uh, separate out the, uh, basically create what's called a sarcophagus of neutralization around the site and create it as basically a museum piece so that it's not radioactively poisoning the earth and shut down all the fissionable nuclear reactors on Earth, which China, by the way, before Fukushima was going to build over 700 of these little devils over the next 10 to 20 years. So they're still building them. But luckily, five years ago, the Chinese said, well, we're going to start mining helium-3 from the moon because they hacked into our intel information that we have helium-3 fusion reactors. And we've had them for over 50 years, including miniaturization, which we have in our Aurora space fleet. The very first thing that Space Command told me, the director, on July 10, 1994, was we control every cubic centimeter of space between here and Mars. Now, people need to understand this, that human civilization was on Mars many thousands of years ago and was destroyed by a passing comet in a galactic war. They need to understand that the ancient high-level Masons believed that their sun god, Apollo or Apollyanus, his Phallic symbol is before the Vatican, the Washington, D.C. monument, before pretty well every public place anywhere on Earth in whatever religious belief system, and that even the ancient swastika, which is not German, but it goes back to Delhi, India, signified this power, which was based in Mars, and in fact, that human civilization collapsed there with this galactic war, and the remnant was left here on Earth. You need to know that. You need to know that they control every cubic centimeter of space between here and Mars and the Aurora Space Fleet were starting to be taken out of service and replaced in 2010. So when you hear fools that say that we never went to the moon, even the Chinese are copying our 1960s technology are going to go to the moon again and have spacecraft land directly on the moon, despite the fact that fools thinking we never went there. Now, it is dangerous because the radiation in, in 
beyond the valent and radiation belt on the Higgs boson field that protects us from zeta particles, cosmic rays, and background X-ray radiation and high energy, destroys our astrocytes and drops our IQ, one IQ point per week in space. But if you create what's called boson field, none of these particles can through. In fact, it's the, the fact that all the inner planets are nuclear reactors, they create what's called the Van Allen radiation belt, and there's five layers to it. Three are in space at 22,000 miles, where the polar orbital Black Knight satellite has been in orbit anywhere estimated between 13 and 35,000 years. And the very first thing that the director of Space Command is went over in exquisite detail of what our attempts were doing to try to get inside and understand what the hell is going on at the Black Knight satellite system in polar orbit. So you need to understand there's a lot of things that I know, I can tell you, some of them are important to know, and other ones are just really strange, kind of weird things that tell you that the human race is quite a bit more old and more advanced and more infiltrated by evil than you can imagine, including hacking human consciousness has been an ancient art that goes back many thousands of years. It's not just recent, published and supported by Barack Obama at the Scripps Institute in San Diego. Dr. Deagle? Yes. Um, obviously, the, the remedies that you've been talking about for Fukushima are things that need to be done there. The question is, are they doing any of those things? None. None of them. None of that. I tell people I have a number of things that I put together that will protect against the oxidative effect of radiation in your body, including our neutral defense, which is for biological and radiological terrorism, things to stop free radicals, the hydroproxy, nitroproxy radical, things for DNA repair like our malignant uh, block and elagic acid. There's a number of things because people don't realize uh, your body has repair systems for things like thymidine dimerase and other things, but if your DNA repair systems are exceeded by the capacity of the background radiation, you degrade. Now, there are some people that live in higher radiation background zones. There's an area of Iran that the background radiation is pretty damned high. The average person, if they went there, they're going to get sick. But because it's bioselected people that could survive there, it turns out that one person in 200 is extremely radiation resistant and about one in 200 is extremely radiation sensitive. And it's bioselected for people in Iran in this one geographic area that can withstand the radiation without mutation or killing them. So over a period of time, if Fukushima walled off and was controlled, the Pacific Ocean over the next, say, 20,000 years would evolve organisms that would survive their descendants that are very more radiation resistant. But what's happening right now is an extinction-level event. And what's really dangerous is if the oxygen level drops to a specific level, the only way the human race or even any kind of mammalian animal could survive is inside the dome city. That's where we're going, just like the sci-fi thrillers. And personally, I have nutraceuticals that will block not only the pandemics that are coming, like our Edgar Casey monoatomic Tesla-activated iodine, my silver, which is angstrom silver with a enzymatic liposomal envelope to deliver to the tissues, which is thousands of times stronger than colloidal or nanoparticle silver, which is chemically inert. And Allison Med, we have a German source that's half the price of Alamed that will help to kill off all the major pathogens, especially Zika virus, and even prevent biting insects from biting you because Zika is not only a sexually transmitted disease for up to six months after you're infected, either sexually by being bitten, but it's going to become an endemic insect-transmitted disease in South Florida and in the areas of South Texas near Brownsville. 
people need to start realizing that multiple plagues are coming. The H7 and 9 is already here. We announced it two weeks ago, and last week with Ann Morrison on our Friday show and afterward on video that done the next day for an hour and 20, 17 minutes. H7N9B variant is 16 times more lethal than the 1918 flu, which killed 640,000 Americans and 100 million estimated worldwide in 1918-1919, including my grandmother's brother and sister. So if people don't grasp that this is the end of the road, I don't know what to say. They're well, uh, what, what, I'm, what, I'm wondering, what yeah. I'm wondering is, is what can you tell our listeners? I uh, can tell them that, that they need to talk to their local uh, politicians because all support companies for TEPCO are American, number one. So we should do my plan, which I worked out for years with Chris Harris and other nuclear experts, and we should stockpile things for radiological bioterrorism, which is going on right now because the governments are allowing this to happen. And nobody, especially during the years of the opaque administration of, of Barack Obama, ever talked about the fact of how dangerous it was for Americans to constantly be receiving a constant drip of radiation. Now, I'll give you a couple of factoids. The Malaysian Airlines that flies to Malaysia and Toronto had to stop flying flight crews more than once a month because their hair was falling out and they were getting sores in their heads. It's not abating. There's no reduction in the radiation of anything. They're up to 530 cybers per hour in reactor two, and they couldn't put a radiation detector down that tube. They put an electronic device down that tube to see if by estimating the amount of radiation interference with the microchips, they could estimate the radiation in terms of cybers. Now, I've said already for years, simple solution is a cabled pneumatic robot with fiber optic cables, so there's no live integrated circuits because a swarm of electrons called the uh, electrons form basically from the beta particle emissions is so powerful besides that in the neutron flux that no integrated circuit can withstand it even an Atmel uh, ferromagnetic chip developed with Atmel Corporation for incoming nuclear missiles that we have and jets that would be hit by an EMP pulse. They can't stop the effect of the radiation annealing the chips or destroying the microchips so you have to have a pneumatic fiber optic robot go in there and do this stuff. Now, I've said this for years, but nobody's picked up on it. And I've challenged engineers to even call on the show and say, well, Dr. Deagle, why are all these things so easy to do? I said, I have no damned idea why you can't put spider silk Kevlar tents, suck out the air coming off each of these reactor and cooling pool sites, block the corium so it doesn't come together and create more neutron flux, put a hyperosmolar solution of boronated water in there, and then crystallize it with a harmonic resonant frequency that'll actually create a crystal neutron capture device, so you stop the corium flux and the hypercriticality occurring, and you capture the hydrogen that's coming right out of the ground and tritium, which is getting into the troposphere. People don't understand, it's not just the regular isotopes, it's the heavy water, it's the tritium and deuterium that are gonna cause DNA damage by intercalating and sliding the codons. But no one's challenged me, no one. No engineer, no doctor, nobody. And I used to have one of my nuclear engineers on talking about this for a little while, who's a triple boarded specialist in radiation, but he was afraid to come on because he thought somebody's going to target him. I'm not afraid. I'm going to tell people the truth and I got solutions. Plus, I have personal solutions that people can take to reduce the radiation damage of the constant drip drip. Now, there's three layers to this radiation coming in. First layer is deep trenches in the bottom of the oceans. And because these are charged particles, they change what's called the lithospheric, uh, which is the fifth layer of the of the Van Allen radiation belt, which is called a lithospheric layer, so they can trigger off earthquakes and volcanoes. 
The second layer is what's called surface water radiation. And it can form a vapor cloud that can go up to 200 miles inland. People don't know that. Number three, there's radiation coming in from the air. And when I started taking my radiation detector and flying back and forth to Portland, I discovered that all of a sudden when I get within, you know, 200 miles of Portland, all of a sudden, between 26 and 35,000 feet, all of a sudden went bam, from 50 uh, clicks up to 2,000. So I realized that there's bands of radiation, so I make a recommended to uh, Senator Feinstein and the, Senate, and the Senator from Oregon that they start doing what's called real-time radiation monitoring by putting can, these radiation detectors in the cabins of every aircraft and then USB radioing it back in real time. So knowing the flight path, they could determine the radiation cloud plumes and put it in real time on computers so anybody could log in and see the radiation plume. And if it was going to snow or rain over their city, say in Indiana or Vermont, they'd know it was going to pull that radiation down out of the clouds and, and end up on their crops or their people outside. Now, nobody's even been trained to do hazmat. So they don't have separate clothes outside like a raincoat, hats, and other things, or NIOSH masks to grab these radio particles because the alpha particles you can easily filter out with a NIOSH mask. The really bad stuff, the gamma rays, are going to whip right through you like your butter. Okay? And the beta particles are no big e deal either. They can land on your skin. So the real bad stuff are radiotoxins and tritium that you're going to breathe the radio vapor in and it's going to damage your DNA. Now, no one's talked about procedures, and I have repeatedly with our experts like Chris Harris on the show for almost six years now. No one's challenged me. No one's done a damn thing. The small number of people, and remember, millions listen to my show, but maybe one in a thousand actually takes it seriously and starts taking the right things because we're slowly being salted. Now, the reason why they're panicking is because they're starting to send people back in Japan to these high radiation zones and telling them they're not going to support them anymore. They need to return, even though there's radioactive boar and wild wolves running around these communities. Imagine going back to a radiation zone where you see mutated flowers and radioactive wild boars that are probably pretty damn crazy. Uh, doctor. Yes. Um, what do you know? What do you know about the what brought it down? Um, you know, there's we've heard the stories of a, a nuclear um, warhead being set off in the ocean floor. Uh, we've heard about. You know, well, you remember, you got to remember this area is, is called fault zone center. If you're going to have earthquakes, it's going to occur there. But the problem is, and I checked into the background because you're going to see what's called P waves and other waves that indicate that it was a normal upthrust zone thing in the zone about 90 miles off the coast of Fukushima Daiichi. And those waves did not occur, which means it was a, and you have to go back a little bit. And when you go back a little bit, what you find out a few years before Fukushima Daiichi, in central Japan, there's a reactor that was hit after the warning that they had to submit to Rothschild Bank rules with this Japanese banking system, and that if they didn't, they were warning that they were going to strike the reactor. I can tell you that I heard those warnings before the answer. Right. And what they did is they actually hit the reactor core and had to evacuate 75,000 Japanese because the reactor core got cracked and it released enough radiation to scare the hell out of people. And that was in central Japan. That wasn't up in the tsunami zone. That was in central Japan on the central island. So what you have to understand is Fukushima Daiichi was in an ideal place with plausible deniability that you could have had a spontaneous tsunami. And they did stupid things like cutting the berm down so it would have stopped it. Like further north, there's a city that has a proper not only berm but also a seawall. So they didn't get any tsunami. 
the city was fine. There was no destruction. There was no tsunami wave. They were just fine. They were just so many kilometers north of Fukushima Daiichi. So bad decisions, but you got to remember the Japanese government at Fukushima was making nuclear warhead triggers for nuclear weapons. And they wanted to cover up their traces that, in fact, this was an experimental site for creating nuclear warheads. And I, I have I have a very good um, I have a good chiropractor. He's one of the best out there that I'm aware of, and uh, he he's got us um, on a, a regular regimen of uh, potassium iodide, uh, also chelation, uh, detox uh, drops uh, in various forms. Um, so you know, it, what else can we do besides drinking well, a lot off, of good? First off, you don't want to be. You don't want to be following the advice of a naturopathic chiropractor that doesn't understand radiation toxicology. The uh, U.S. government had to stop the sale of radioiodine within 8 to 12 days after Fukushima because they realized if people took radioiodine at a specific dosage high enough, within a matter of weeks, they were going to shut down their thyroid. You need to take monoatomic Tesla-activated iodine at the right dosage, and you also have to make sure you take other things to protect your mitochondria. Because this causes what's called a mitochondrial apocalypse. It damages your mitochondria, and if your mitochondria aren't replaced sufficiently, because they're always being replaced, you would call mitophagy, where damaged mitochondria are replaced. The sine qua non, for example, in diabetics is, is damaged mitochondria are not quickly replaced, so they start bioaccumulating in diabetics and prediabetics. So just to take radioiodine and the, you know, the, by itself, you know, just take potassium iodate is real bad. And you need to take what's called DNA repair and protective things like elagic acid and block and other nutraceuticals to knock out the co-pathogens because once you knock out your immune system sufficiently, you're going to start getting infected biofilm everywhere. You're going to have nanobacteria, mycobacteria, fungi growing in every orifice of your body. And then, of course, if your gut gets leaky, you're going to get large peptides like, nano, like decapeptides, heptapeptides, they're going to get attached to radiotoxins, and they're going to get sensitizable, and you're going to get autoimmune disease and cancer as the cells respond to the stress. So there's a huge load of thyroid, not only the thyroid, but every kind of cancer you can imagine now happening, especially with things like cesium. They did research, for example, in gerbils, and they found that the primary cancer that happens after things like a nuclear reactor problem is the massive amount of cesium-134 and 137, and in animal models like the gerbil, it causes breast cancer. So it causes a massive surge in breast cancer rates, in brain cancer rates, and other endocrine organs which require cesium. Because cesium is a, is, a, is a parallel mineral to magnesium, which is a counterion to calcium, which is primarily the primary mineral that releases hormones. So... Um, that's why you're seeing also a massive surge in, in congestive heart failure. Congestive heart failure is increasing in the Western world now, 400% faster than any other heart disease. And it's primarily because of multiple things, but one of the main ones right now is radioactive cesium. Well, I'll have my guy, um, my guy listen to this because, you know, he teaches others and he's like I said, he's really one of the best out there. And well, let me, he, let me he's teach, aware. Let me, let me teach the best. I don't care how aware they are. They have itty bitty knowledge compared to mine in terms of what they need to do to protect themselves. And just playing around with potassium iodate is not, not a solution. You need Tesla activated iodine. You need DNA protection. 
You need membrane protection with special fatty acids to make non-inflammatory fatty acids. You need a whole lot of things to stop pathogenesis because what happens is when people get hit with radiation, they don't just die of the pathogen. The pathogen induces a thing called a cytokine storm. So, for example, if you have the flu or a major sepsis from a burn or a traumatic accident, the pathogen isn't what killed you. It's your own immune system releasing cytokines. Most doctors, including infectious disease, don't know this, but these knuckleheads don't realize if you've got serious, let's say, pathogenic H7N9 flu, the thing that's going to kill it is to take not only our antipathogenics, but high-dose vitamin C, because vitamin C completely blocks the uh, release of cytokines in your body, but the dosages you need intravenously are tough to get, and of course, the hospitals aren't going to always approve of it. One of the people that uh, got the flu in, 19, in 2009 in New Zealand was quite aware of this, and he actually told his family to make sure they sued the hospital if they wouldn't give him the intravenous vitamin C. And the last day before he would, they thought he was going to expire, they finally got the lawyer in there to actually supervise the getting the intravenous vitamin C, and it blocked it. And the next day he went home. We have a thing called Power C Plus. It's the only neutral vitamin C in the world. There's nothing like it. It's better than liposome or anything else. And you can take this as a smoothie and it'll block the cytokine storm from anything, whether it's lupus or an infectious process, whatever. Now, it doesn't kill the pathogen, but it stops your immune system from killing you. Whether you've got Rocky Mountain spotted fever or influenza, it's your own cytokines that kill you, not the pathogen. People think it's the pathogen, they're just wrong. Whether it's gram-negative septicemia or cans ending up in your heart valves and your kidneys, or complete a or some other fungal infection, or Zika virus, or whatever it happens, chikungunya, it is not the pathogen. It's your own immune system that kills you. Well, right, right now, there seems to be an epidemic of an upper respiratory condition, which they're, they're uh, uh, saying is a cold. Uh, but it's well, there's some several kind of... running around. There one, there's one that causes this migratory pain syndrome that's ridiculous. And it can make you feel like all of a sudden you've got Demons grabbing you in one part of your body and another, and I'm getting all kinds of panic calls over it, including John Statmuller, who's the head of our radio station here at our Republic Broadcasting. And he was in such a panic, he thought he was going to have to shut down the radio station because he thought he was going to die. So we sent him uh, two antipathogenics, Nutrisilver and Allison Med, and within a day he was actually oh, becoming normal. Uh, people need to understand when the H7N9 flu arrives, which I believe it's going to arrive this year because it's now in this chicken farm in Tennessee, if this thing gets out, gets the population and starts spreading rapidly, which I expect to happen, in no South China, the case fatality rate is 40%. So if you get it, you're 40% chance you're going to bite it. That's scary as hell. And the problem is when an H, uh, H1N1 flu happened in 2009, if you are on a ventilator, that's bad enough. But if you get so sick that your lungs are completely full of mucus and blood and inflammatory cytokine garbage proteins, you have to go on a heart-lung bypass machine, and they only had six in all of Great Britain. We have a lot more here in America because we've got a fancy, expensive healthcare system. But we'll jam it up within probably one to two weeks. And if you don't get an ECMO machine and you're an extremist and you can't survive beyond a ventilator, you're going to die. We're not prepared for any of this stuff. And nobody's talking about this because nobody that has the qualifications like I do is actually publicly speaking and telling people how freaking dangerous this is and if the average person isn't prepared to stay hunkered down in your home for anywhere from two to six weeks, you do not want to go out in public. Three things can happen to you. Number one, there'll be street violence. Number two, you'll get sick. 
Number three, you'll be grabbed and put in a civil detention camp and quarantine. And I can tell you when I stood in front of the FEMA director at the Adams Mark Hotel in March before 9-11, I worked with these guys in Operation Top Off in Dark Winter, and I got the classified manuals from FEMA. And their plan was if you got a radiological terrorism bomb at the federal center or release a biological weapon, their idea was to shoot in the center of mass and put you in a body bank. It wasn't to decontaminate you. It wasn't to protect you or make you well. It, and, and what they're planning to do also for other people was to just stick them in mass quarantine, like put them in Centennial uh, and in this giant area where there's hundreds of people, like 1918, where, you know, there's little cots all over this warehouse or whatever. These are what I call stupid policies that will guarantee that everybody dies. And when I confronted him, he tried to head out the, the door, and I kept firing questions at him where the guy beside me was from the Air Force with a lot of braids, and I said, he said, Deagle, <laughs> he said, you're nuts. He said, they're going to kill you, guy. I said, watch me. I'm going after this guy, firing questions at him as he heading out the door of the FEMA director. So you got to understand what's really going on here is so nuts that if you tell the story, people think, well, you're just making this up. No, I'm not. The government's not only not prepared, they don't want to be prepared. If I just gave them advice, for example, for 10 minutes how to fix healthcare, which I'll give you also right now, uh, Tom Price and these guys are just trying to do fancy dancing so they can get past something past the reconciliation in the Senate and get several bills passed to make it look like it's okay so they get reelected. This is tweaking the Titanic. It's rearranging the deck chairs. It's not going to fix health care. It's still going to allow prices to go spiral. And this is even if they take away all the entitlements. The current health care system, not only here but in every country on Earth, is stupid. The smartest of these chimeric systems allow some truths to deal with interventional functional medicine. Um, and um, in fact, I got an email earlier today from one of my colleagues, Dr. Ron Klatz, who founded the Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. Let me just go over some of the, of the, of the plans that he talks about here. I'll just go over a couple of the different points. Uh, firstly, Don Rock Klatz is the founder 26 years ago of the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine with 820,000 health professionals. This guy's brilliant. He's a close buddy of mine. And he knows I'm out of the box. In fact, I'm a box agnostic. I don't believe in boxes. The first one is point number one. We need point of care, laboratory testing, defined as testing at or near the site of the patient care. Okay. And this means you need to rapidly diagnose things before you get pathology. Number two, biomarkers of aging and health measurement. You got to know what's wrong. And I have quantum testing with a QRMA and metapathy developed by Dr. Nestrov and the Russian Academy of Sciences and their cosmonauts. You need to have functional medicine testing like directlabs.com, which we'll be bringing on the director, and tests that measure your intermediate metabolites, your genetics, your toxicology, so we know exactly what the hell is going on in your cells. If you think the average doctor knows what these things are, you're delusional. And that includes specialists, by the way. And I can prove it. Number three, free biannual comprehensive metabolic testing. Do you think people know what their metabolism is, what the hell's going on inside their cells? Of course not. That's why we have polypharmacy, which in the Bible talks about in Revelation 9. And they would not repent of their polypharmacies or sorceries is the actual Greek word, sorceries. Point number four, telemedicine, you know, consultation. So if you need somebody with really high levels of specialty, you can do telemedicine. There should be case conferences so that you get all the best minds together to try to solve the problem of what's wrong with somebody, whether they have, like I had a consult the other day, uh, about a lady who has pulmonary fibrotic syndrome, but when I simply ask a number of questions because I'm board certified as an expert in every 
medical specialty, it was obvious to me there were giant holes in her conventional care, let alone alternative care. No one had locked at the idea that she may be getting aspiration pneumonitis, causing fibrotic lung changes. Nobody ever talked about the idea that she might have an autoimmune disease causing attack on her lung membranes. And they were going to give her a drug called OLEF, O-L-E-F, that's a tyrosine kinase inhibitor, that she said, uh, she was a smart old lady, 82. She said, I'm not going to take that, Dr. Deagle. That killed my friend. I said, well, you're smart. I said, well, I'm going to tell you why it'll kill your friend and why it would kill you. And you had enough smarts to have your son call me from New York so I could try to help you. It's number um, five. A, uh, anti, uh, aging intervention drugs and nutraceuticals and even gene therapy. Uh, if we can identify, I have a company I'll be bringing on my show in the next month or so here in San Diego County, that for less than $100 within two to five years, we'll be able to do the entire human genome for under $100. And you don't need to repeat it because once your genome is tested, it's tested, it's there. Now, I tell people right away when I do a consult with them, one of the things they strongly recommend is to get 23andMe and a Prometheus $5 analysis of their genetic SNP data so I can look at that and then recommend specific organic acid and metabolites and immunology testing so I know what the hell is going on in their body. So I can measure antibody levels, stealth pathogen levels, intermediate metabolisms of their screwed up metabolism, heavy metals in their body, toxicology of volatile organic hydrocarbons with high pressure chromatography or nuclear spectroscopy. I can do the whole shoot match. Okay. Well, I don't care well, what level of specialty someone is. I'll blow them all away. I'll blow the doors off. So that needs to be done. It needs to be spread. I want to teach doctors. I had one doctor to call me earlier today on the show, Felipe. He's finishing his residency in Chile. He wants me to help him set up a wellness interventional clinic. I said, look, I'll teach you case by case. Just send me the cases. I charge 150 per half hour to review the case data. And I'll teach you and your doctors. Just send me all your toughest cases on the planet, and I will solve them. There's not a case on earth that I will not apply my intellect and the most high God teaching me as I go along to provide an answer and a solution and a pathway. Because our God is going to restore the years of mankind after the cataclysms that we're about to be exposed to. As it says in the Bible, though a man or woman die at 100, it shall be considered as the years of a child. So after this cataclysm of extinction level events and, and evil is cleansed from the earth because the rapture it's not a rapture of good taken to heaven. It's a rapture of evil taken to annihilation. God wants uh, children on this planet a thousand and ten thousand years from now worshiping the Most High God as we become a galactic civilization and spread across the galaxy as a godly people worshiping the Most High in whatever sector of the cosmos we spread. Before we, uh, before we, we switch gears to the um, vault and, and the battle that's going on between the globalists and our, and our president, um, we're well into the second hour, and I've got somebody that's had a hand up for about a half hour. And before we shift gears, I want to see if he's got a question re- related to what we've already talked about. Is that okay? Well, you're talking about Vault 7, right? Before we go to that. Yeah, good, good. Can you give me about two minutes for a bio break, and then I'll be right back. And you guys can uh, continue your discussion for a minute, and I'll be right back. I need a, uh, as I say, have a bio break for a minute. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I'll ask in about three minutes. Sounds good. I'll be right back, and we'll be ready to rock and roll, and to say, be as tough as you can, because I and the Most High God are sufficient. Same as you out there. You and the Most High God all be sufficient. Thank you, Dr. Diggle. Take these broken wings and learn to fly all your life. 
waiting for this moment to rise Blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these sunken eyes and learn to see All your life Waiting for this moment to be free Blackbird fly Blackbird fly Into the light of a dark black night Blackbird singing in the dead of night This moment to rise, blackbird fly, blackbird fly into the light of the dark black night. Well, blackbird singing in the dead of Sunken eyes and learn to see all your life. You were only waiting for this moment to be free. You were only waiting for this moment to be free. You were only waiting for this moment to be free. Area code 434. Is that you, Jim? Yeah. How you doing tonight? Can you hear me okay? Uh, we hear you just fine. And as soon as Dr. Deagle is back with us, uh, do you got a question for him? Uh, yeah. He, he had mentioned something about uh, doing um, uh, genetic research for a super soldier. And I had a question on that about an incident that happened in Afghanistan. Well, I'm sure he'll – Dr. Deagle, you're not back with us yet, are you? I am indeed. Oh, great. Somebody wanted to about super soldiers. I actually took care of one super soldier that was a victim of a genetic engineering uh, accident on purpose, of course. And he had put on uh, almost a foot in height and 100 pounds of plus in weight. And most of his colleagues that had this happen ended up with cancer and other illnesses or committed suicide because of pain syndromes. But uh, I know the exquisite details of what they did to these poor soldiers, not only of these genetically engineered super soldier, they call them vaccines because they're genetically changing them, but also uh, these crazy vaccines like the Bioport vaccine given for anthrax that one of my buddies in Special Forces said was like being kicked across the room with a donkey. And these are tough guys that would jump out of a helicopter with a 90-pound backpack and night vision scope and run, you know, 30, 40 miles before they set up. So you got to understand what they've done to our military. They, te- they treat them like they're a piece of furniture and do anything to them, including genetically modifying them. Yeah, um, I have a, a question, though, about an incident that had happened in Afghanistan. Uh, basically, what they, what they stated was they had uh, captured a Nephilim, 
and they killed it. And it had come out of, uh, of a cave, and it wiped out one squad. Yeah, who, who, and then they sent who, who report who report who reported this incident? This was reported by soldiers. It's it's a story that's gone ongoing, and that right, they right. had actually yeah. taken down this nepaline and uh, shipped the body back to use the genetics uh, to create super soldiers from. Now I I don't know whether the story is true or not, but um, it's going well, let me on. ask you a couple of questions. Let me ask you a few questions. Uh, what, what's your first name? Uh, Jim. As a matter of fact, you and I have okay. a lot in common. I used to I used to uh, be an MC for Stan Johnson of the Prophecy Club in Boston. Oh, very good. Okay, excellent. Okay. Well, let let me ask you a question, which you probably already have the answer. Do you think we're alone in the universe or not? No, we're not. Okay. Uh, Do you I think the evil on you think the greatest evil on this planet is, is originating on Earth or exoplanetary? It's uh, exoplanetary. And where do you think it's from? What planet do you think it's from? Well, uh, I helped develop study uh, satellites to study the sun. Uh, I worked well, on both. Well, this is a very specific uh, answer. I'm just, I'm, it's a leading question. What okay. specific planet well, do you think um, it's from? What star system uh, is it from? It's from our own star system, our binary sun. No, it's not. It's no, it's from Sirius B. Okay, okay. the Nephilim are, are basically amphibious reptilians from Sirius B. They descended on Earth with technology including metallurgy, agronomics, and genetic engineering. And in fact, if you look at the book of Joshua, which is quoted by James, the brother of Jesus, which we we can find the current versions of it, which may or may not be exactly accurate. But you have to understand that the reason why the first plague was brought of the flood of Noah to destroy the Nephilim and the people of Earth was because they a genetically engineered hybrid human race. And it says that Noah and his family were perfect in their generations. Now, you have to understand the Hebrew of what that meant. It means they were not genetically meant modified. In their genome. Meant their genome. Are, we, are, you, are, you, are you aware of that? Because remember now that Noah yes, was a wine bibber. He was an alky. He liked to grow grapes, and he liked to ferment them, too. He didn't just eat their grape juice. Okay? So what you have to understand when you're talking about whether there's Nephilim here, human beings have been interacting with off-planetary species, not only by in physically, but by channeling them. For example, have you ever heard of the Gellenschaft Thule Society of Germany? And the Theosophical uh, Society? Yes, have you ever heard of them? Yeah. Did you know that if you ever heard of a thing called the Society of the Bell in Germany that used to channel how to create anti-gravitonic waves, including the old uh, uh, devices that the Vimana that the ancient Indians had? They actually channeled the technology from off-world beings through, through using occult technology. Did you know that? And in fact, there was an entire division of the Nazis under Adolf Hitler that were actually channeling as part of the tool. Were you aware of that? Right. Yes, hey, Jim, I actually took care of I took care of British and Canadian pilots to chase these Foo Fighters, it's called, with the best of the British jets, which were pretty good back then, you know, back in World War II. And these things would take off at way above Mach speeds, like out of nowhere. These are disc-shaped flying yeah, objects. The Foo okay? the Foo right, Jim. What, Jim, what was your what was your specific question related to the Afghanistan yeah. situation? Well, basically, uh, in the time of Noah and out of the book of Enoch, uh, they stated that the fallen angels who uh, took women, the first witches, as their wives, 
uh, spawn the Nephilim, and they actually, according to the the lore, it, they came from the seventh planet around Nibiru, the second sun, the red dwarf that's coming in right now. Right. Now, now, now uh, let me let me explain. Let, let me explain where Nibiru is. Nibiru is as a number of names: Herakilobus, Nemesis, the Destroyer, the Dragon Star. It is a red dwarf, hyperelliptical red dwarf uh, sun that has 200 times the magnetic flux field of the sun and about 20% of the mass of a yellow dwarf star. It is right now in the Oort cloud, 0.73 light years out from Earth. It's pushed in hyperelliptical comets such as sighting spring the past years a few years ago, and uh, the uh, uh, fairly large comets on them. One of them was actually they thought was the was a fulfillment of the last letter of uh, uh, the prophecies that were given to those ch- children in Portugal. Remember that? The third letter of Fatima? And yeah, what happened I'm, is, I'm remember that the, that the Vatican has some of the most advanced astronomical uh, sighting stations, including the, the, the Arecibo system in, in Chile, and also the, uh, the Arizona uh, largest uh, binocular telescope in the world is run by the Vatican. In Arizona, with the University of Arizona. Are you aware of that? Yes, correct. And so they're fully aware. In fact, they have a gospel that they say, and this is what this current pope has said, and the previous one, that these, quote, alien beings will be evangelists to human beings and have a higher level of spiritual knowledge than we have, and we need to accept them and even, quote, baptize them. So you need to understand where where you understand the perspective of these globalist one-worlders and their so-called uh, trans-world, one-world philosophy and religion, which is very demonic and luciferic. Because remember, Lucifer, it can be transformed to an angel of light. He's not just, look, it looks as an evil guy. Satan in his luciferic costume can look like the best guy and the smartest guy and the most spiritual guy and can quote scriptures faster than the Baptist pastor from the deep south. So you need to start grasping that. Sometimes they're transformed to an angel of light, and you have to know that, you know that the, the Voynich document was planned the layout of America and the rise of the Green Dragon Pub and the rise of the American Republic, which was high-level Masons, were using Luciferic power to create order out of the chaos of the of the early colonies. Correct. Most people don't see that. You know, they think now. America was just formed on on Christian principles only. No, it was formed on Christian-like Luciferic principles. Right, no, a half hour left. I'd like, I'd like to, I'd like to kind of shift gears if we could get back sure, into this. whatever you want to do, whatever you want to cover. Well, I'm, I want to, I want to get into the cashless society stuff before we, uh, before we end okay, the show. But before, let's get into that. What happened is when I went to Colorado Springs, and I walked through the quantum array, they had Cray four computers that were bathed in liquid nitrogen. And they had a giant cube underground. But what I found out when they made the gallium arsenide quantum chip, they thought they were going to have to build it in the U.S. space station because of the requirements to create the quantum chip. They thought their gravity would disrupt the chip crystallization. Seymour Cray figured out a way to do it on land. And within 11 months, they killed him near the Air Force Academy. And I was, by the way, an Air Force Academy doctor. I took care of the top gun pilots and the teachers in our Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, which is like the West Point for pilots. What happens is that the project that they had was called the Virtual World Project. Now, in the Virtual World Project, it's like the Matrix, only there's a lot more details than I know that anybody's ever publicly spoken. 
they use a thing called Promise Software to make the databases seamless so that they could actually create a super database. And this project started in the early 1980s when they completed this project called Omega, which George Bush Sr. completed, which was conceived by the Nazi Germanys in the early 1930s. The Thule Gelenschaft, they actually knew that they wanted to build a world government based on the intel agencies that would be connected with everybody from the Jesuits to the Brazilian security police to GHCQ in Britain to you know, French security to whatever, the Russian uh, KGB, G, uh, you know, whatever, GRU. What people need to understand is that at the top, there's a super agency overseeing all the other agencies. And the no such agency, that's what they call themselves, the NSA, haha, uh, are the, the fathers of everything from all the social media like Twitter, Facebook, and all these social, social media, and people willingly give their photos and information into this database. It's considered a, quote, national treasure, and that's why they're spending trillions of dollars to create these giant databases like the one in Utah that are such a drain on water that they actually are consuming enough water to cause environmental danger in that area of Utah. These are many times larger than the entire uh, campus of the Pentagon. I think the one in Utah is seven times larger. And they plan on building, I think, seven or eight just in the continental United States. Now, the primary node of this Mark of the Beast system is at Shriver Air Force Base, Falcon, Colorado, several miles underground. And I've been there. So this is not a delusion. I've actually been inside the underground city. And uh, when they brought us through, and our guide brought us through the laser retinal scanner, and we didn't have to go through, he did, because we already had security clearance. They told us to hold the sides of the elevator because they had padding on it. I said, why? He says, because your feet are going to come off the floor. We actually were dropping so fast we were in zero gravity. And then finally the doors open, like Star Trek, and you're there. It's like, oh, my gosh, I'm in an underground city. Now, there, people need to understand some of these underground facilities in Colorado are the biggest on Earth. I was a doctor for uh, the pilots flying out of Peterson, uh, Peterson Air Force Base and other places in Colorado. And when I was a physician for uh, the Denver International Airport, because <laughs> I'm a civil aviation examiner and was for decades, both military pilots as well as commercial pilots, DIA, when it was built, is uh, 81 square miles. And when they were building it, they pulled out so much material, they actually extracted more material and ground material and rock and everything than when they built the first step of the Panama Canal. That's how big it is. They were pulling in so much Portland cement, they are using up 90% of the Portland cement for some years just to build some of these structures underground, and it's still under construction, DIA. It's immense. I took care of the security people working there for years. I know a lot of really classified stuff. And you can go there. It says One World Airport. You can actually go online and see some of these pictures. You can see the, the uh, Mayan pictures in the hallways there. And you say, well, why are all these weird pictures here? It's because it's a place. If you go up to the baggage claim area, you'll see a gargoyle jumping out of a suitcase reading the baggage claim. So now why is this tied to Vault 7? Because the underground base retriever is a primary node, but there's other nodes, Whitehall in England, Jakarta, Indonesia, et cetera, et cetera, all over the world. And these are connected not only by space-based satellites, but by underground tunnels connecting everywhere on Earth, including under the oceans, high-speed maglev trains actually connecting every continent. And the deeper you go, the less chance that smaller earthquakes will hit you. It's only as you come near the surface that smaller earthquakes will actually break your tunnels. They're everywhere. 
I took care of one of the, uh, you know, Phil Schneider, I took care of his buddy because he got particle disease, working with these sodium-cooled nuclear reactors actually building the tunnels. And their favorite place to build them was in um, dormant magma domes. And what they did is they were doing research back in the 1960s, and they discovered that there were big pockmarks on the Earth using torsion field imaging from their early satellites. So what the hell are these? They could scratch in their head for several years, and then they finally realized, oh, these are magma domes where the crust of the Earth has actually slid on the mantle, and there was no longer a hot spot feeding them. So their favorite place for putting these underground cities was in dormant magma domes or anywhere from four and a half to 12 cubic miles in size. The next was to create a matrix with these tunneling devices using sodium-cooled nuclear reactors to create an obsidian, uh, basically core with zero debris, and then lay a tri-radiate maglev track and vacuum it out and put fiber optic cables with uh, high-speed transmission lines using higher energy light, like ultraviolet light uh, transmission along the cables. Super high transmission rates. So what people need to start grasping is that the, the world as they think it is, is not like it, like it is in reality. For example, when the World Trade Center was demolished, it was a self-inflicted claim, even the king of Saudi Arabia said last summer when they passed this law to start suing Saudi Arabia for killing Americans in 9-11, which is a pile of crap. And he said himself, and this is a guy, a Wahhabist Muslim, that America, it's a self-inflicted wound. So when I see George Bush Jr. going around showing his pictures to Hannity, it makes me ill. Now, why is this tied to Devault 7? Because now WikiLeaks is releasing 6,800 and some documents showing that the CIA has been snooping, but so is as the NSA. Every phone, and I was told this by my guys and contacts directly in the exquisite technical detail. Like, I know all, not some of the facts, all the facts. Every phone, fax, and email in every country on Earth is monitored by the no such agency. Even the phone system brought into China, which is, they don't have phone lines like a big telephone poles all over the place. They have 3Com. And guess who owns and runs 3Com? It's the no such agency. So the secret agencies are integrated with the international boards of all major corporations on the planet, including Bechdel Corporation, the primary one building these tunnels and underground cities. And all the intel agencies, and they've been threatened, for example, to cooperate or else, like I think it was 10, 11 years ago, Bill Gates was told, make backdoors or else to the NSA. So they're freaked out by the idea that somebody might be able to create a encryption network that's not using uh, prime numbers. Now, Vault 7, what it basically means is they can listen to your TV by hacking into your TV because it's connected to the Internet. They can geolocate your cell phone even if you think it's off. They can find out, as I said sarcastically on my show, they don't need to give you a chip for the mark of the beast because it gives you a whole range of things that's called a mark because you believe in the one world government and a single religion and population control and all this other crap because we're basically in the midst of a geobiological collapse. I mean, when you look at Fukushima Daiichi and you look at what's coming, Human beings in, two, in a generation and a half, in 14 years, basically won't be fi- able to have viable children, period. They'll be so radioactive or toxic from scalar radiation from the cell phones and everything else they put together, including turning the upper atmosphere into a plasma with nanoparticle thorium, strontium, barium, aluminum as part of the phase two of torsion field imaging through the Earth and creating a interferometry field against incoming nuclear missiles. Doctor, that we have to realize that Vault 7 means that we're at the edge of the mark of the beast, and it's coming. They so, wanted to have it done by 2020. They didn't want to wait until after 
you know, they want Hillary to actually be bringing all this crap in. Bill? Yeah. You know, according to Dane Wigington, I'm not sure what your opinion of him is. I'm sure we're about to find out. But he, I recently heard him uh, make a comment that basically said if they keep spraying our ionosphere the way that they have been, that within 10 years, uh, the Earth will not be able to sustain biological life. Well, Dane, I talked to Dane, and uh, in fact, Dane Wigington, I gave him some information to go check out things like the amount of of aluminum in Lake Shasta in Northern California and other things. I don't think that you want to make exaggerated statements and give specific dates. What you need to say is that the Earth is being stressed by multiple stressors. Radiotoxins, tritium, scalar radiation, uh, ground-level ozone, ultraviolet light. For example, right now, most people may or may not be aware of this, but I posted it up and talked about this on video with Ann Morrison, that looking at government sites and international sites, the amount of ground-level cosmic rays getting into the continental United States lower 48 states is freaking astronomical now. So a lot of the changes we're doing to the planet with things we've done and things that are just happening because of the return of Nibiru with the Atacama Large Millimeter Array. This is this dwarf star called, some people refer to it as Nibiru, Heraculobus, the destroyer, whatever. We're seeing gravity waves that are not only changing the Earth's uh, geomagnetosphere, but it's actually creating unstable nuclei of ringwoodite and deep rock in the mantle to actually release water. Nascent water is oxygen and hydrogen. They're actually triggering off earthquakes, volcanoes, and are putting us in danger with the, uh, with the release of these toxins, including methane, hydrates, and others, that the ozone layer is going, going, gone. And our oxygen on, on the planet has dropped from 21% since Fukushima to 19% worldwide. So when I hear people that are not completely fully qualified to make statements about stuff that they really don't know, I don't think you should take it seriously. You, I can tell you what's going on rather than making a blank statement of, you know, in the generation. I think all these things are converging. If we have a biological apocalypse, including uh, Fukushima Daiichi going completely rogue, because right now we have 530 cyberts per hour. If you get exposed for less than four minutes to four cyberts an hour, you're dead in four minutes. They can't send a robot and these morons who keep on sending in robots with integrated circuits in there, and they know damn well they're not going to survive. Why do they do that? Do they want to just keep on failing and say, oh, we tried? No, you didn't try. If you wanted to try, you'd have a cabled robot with pneumatic circuits, and you'd have cables covered in depleted uranium to stop neutron flux so your little rubber tubes wouldn't be annealed by the neutron flux so they would break and you wouldn't lose pressure in your lines. But instead of having fiber optic lines so they can see what the hell the robot's doing in pneumatic robots working at, say, a quarter mile away from the radiation site, or having tunnels where people could walk through depleted uranium tunnels like containers from one site to another so they wouldn't get blasted. No, no, they send people in there, these guys, and a lot of time they're, they're, member, they're people that are forced to work at Fukushima Daiichi, unqualified, to work in these radiation sites, and they tell them to do stuff that they know if they go in these highly radioactive sites, they're going to be barfing in an hour, so they even cover up their radiation dosimetry cards. I'm not impressed. And when I hear some of these so-called experts that talk about this stuff, they don't talk about all these little minor details, and they try to pretend like I want to look real special or important. You don't know what you're talking about. So when Dane Wigington and these other people get on Fox News and elsewhere, including nuclear scientists like Mishu Kaku, Mishu why don't you come up with some of my solutions or at least contact me and I'll tell you how to do this. 
so we can actually get this debris out of there or stop the chorium from going hypercritical or releasing tritium or capturing the radioactive groundwater, 300 tons per day that's going in the Pacific Ocean. Well, let's 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 come back to the, this question. I mean, I threw that out about Wigington because I, I didn't I didn't think he well, I mean, really had a handle. One thing that's partly true is just like when I hear, for example, Alex Jones. Alex Jones became extremely offended for the fact that I took apart his nuclear physicist, Dr. Steve Jones. And then after he asked me to come back from Republic Broadcasting nine and a half years ago, because I wanted to get more airtime over at Republic, uh, he said he'd do specials with me. And when I took apart his nuclear scientist, he said that when I called back to do a special with him, he said I was stalking him. He's a nut, okay? He wants to control the story, and he's unqualified to open his yap about many, many subjects. So this guy... When he says he's being sued by Pedogate or Pizzagate, he's full of it. Because I released more information with Jim Fetcher in the last several months talking about Pizzagate, and I don't hear a tweet from any lawyers telling them that they're going to sue Dr. Deagle or Jim Fetcher. It's a pile of BS. And we have exquisite, okay. okay. ugly details. So okay. don't tell me that, that Alex Jones is getting sued and he's got a dour face on. That's a pile of crap. There's a lot of so-called pseudo-experts out there that want to be quote, own this particular story or that story. I agree. So I've got two questions for you. One is with regard to the geoengineering aerosol program, which we is obviously happening. Oh, yeah. It's, it's been, ha- been, been happening for a long time. Yeah, what, do they th- what do they think they're really doing, and what are they actually uh, causing or accomplishing? I met uh, in March of 19... Uh, 97 with uh, Dr. Isley, a physicist who owns the Vitamin College, who actually founded in 1958 at the United Nations, the World Constitution and Parliament Association. He gave me the Federation of Earth's Documents. Physically, I spent the entire evening with him. And he was willing to talk to me because he knew I had presidential security clearance and I gave him information he knew. We were exchanging back and forth. And I was asking him tough questions. And, you know, eventually, no matter how smart somebody is, I'm going to start pulling their brain apart and doing a bulk and mind meld. Okay, so after a while, he started to realize, holy crap, Deagle's got me, and he's asking tough questions I can't answer. For example, he talked about the fact they were going to geoengineer the Earth. They are going to capture carbon dioxide. They are pushing this carbon credit crap back in 1997. They are planning on it. And uh, they wanted to put geoengineering the upper atmosphere so they could actually uh, change the albedo of the Earth. One of the primary things they wanted to do was change the albedo to, so we would reflect light out to space, but because I worked at Space Command took care of employees, the real purpose was phase two of what's called the space shield. Phase one was THAAD, which we're now giving to South Korea and to Japan, which is stupid. In fact, one of the quotes I got because I took care of the employees working the White Sands Missile Base in Vandenberg is that it would cost $76 trillion, with a T, not billion, but trillion dollars to take to 2045 to make it 100% effective by itself. Missile to hit a missile. The second phase was plasma interferometry with a turning the upper atmosphere in the, from 73 to 80,000 feet, and you had to spray these things. And what they would do is they load up, and I took care of the pilots flying out of, a Peter, out of Aurora at Peterson Air Force Base, and they would load up these Hercules C-130s with robotic drones, and they'd fly them up to 73 to 80,000 feet and put them out the back of the thing, and they'd fly a military service grid pattern, two times the height of regular commercial airliners. And they were putting out nanoparticles because they wanted to create the atmosphere conversion so when scalar waves would be put out by satellites, they could actually create an interferometry field that would fry the integrated circuits of incoming nuclear missiles. 
Plus, they were using it for torsion field imaging, so they could see underground bases, like the one, I think, five, six years ago that we created an earthquake that killed 190,000 Chinese and destroyed their base, and it also killed 90,000 children, Chinese children. So we have geotectonic weapons, and there's five countries that can modify the Earth and literally weaponize it. We and the Russians are by far the most advanced, but there's three other nations, okay, including Britain and France, that have these technologies, and China. But they're rudimentary compared to us. Like, we're the big kahuna. We've got space-based Tesla weapons that can literally turn a rocket in its military payload into a vapor cloud thousands of miles away at the speed of light. That's the third layer. We have well, rail guns for space. They're obvi- they're obviously, they've obviously been, been using weather warfare. Right, and they also have a thing called Rods from God where they have these meter-long depleted uranium rods. They can accelerate the Earth at 25 to 30,000 miles an hour. And when you hit the ground, they create a nuclear explosion, and you don't see any income because there's no thermal signature. They're, they're, also, they're also diminishing the agricultural output. Of course they are, because what you got to understand, uh, why do you think that T. Boone Pickens and these other people are controlling and are going and putting all these windmills up, but they're right over aquifers so they can acquire the water resources, because they want to control water. Now, one of the reasons why they went after Muammar Gaddafi, there's two reasons. First, he... He was, he was totally cooperating with the West. So when you hear about Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton killing him, and this was pointed out by, by Donald Trump, he knows damn well after getting his briefings there was no reason to kill Muammar Gaddafi. He did two things to piss off the globalists. He talked about a gold standard for all the Islamic countries, which are 22 countries. That would really upset them, the bankers. But the thing that particularly upset them was primary water. And I put up a video just the last few days. I've talked to Paul Power, who was the head of the Primary Water Institute in Eureka, California, and to Steve Johnson, I've had him, I haven't had him on the program yet, but I put up his videos and made some new videos this last week. I have his books and other materials, and I've been studying for several years now. The primary water in the Earth is created in a deep mantle by the release of water from ringwoodite, which has 1% water in the crystal structure of the water and releases nakes and oxygen and hydrogen, and it lowers the melting point of rock, causing magma to occur. So all earthquakes and volcanoes are driven by water, released from ringwoodite in a deep mantle from 400 to 600 kilometers down. Now, Paul Power, for example, just last summer, drilled 100 feet deep in a mine in an area at 6,000 foot elevation in the Northern California mountains and got over 2,000 gallons per minute. And he's been drilling all over the world. In fact, when Muammar Gaddafi was drilling, he had 10 giant British drill rigs that the NATO tried to call were launching for rockets or missiles. When in fact, they were British drill rigs because 75% of the new water in Libya was primary water, which is the water that feeds all the oasis. Now, my great-great-grandmother and grandfather owned the largest caravan that traveled from Damascus, Syria, to China twice a year. And if there weren't oases, which are fed by the deep primary water on the earth, they would have never survived. Okay? Okay, so okay. We're, they we're wanted kind of, to kill him go- because he was generating primary water, and that was... One of the things that the globalists want to control, they want to control water and food resources. They want to. They don't want. They don't want us to know about that primary water. They don't want. They don't want people. They want to drop. They want to drop the oxygen concentration so that if you don't live in a city with a dome city where there's oxygen augmentation, you're not going to survive in a future, maybe a generation from now, where the oxygen concentration say drops under 10 or 12 percent oxygen. Yeah. Yes or yes or no? Is there a shortage of water on Earth? No. There's anywhere from 
from three to ten times the water on all the oceans in the hydrosphere, deep in the mantle of the earth in the giant ocean, just like it says in the Bible. And the Bible tells you this. And the great waters of the deep were broken and came up, and it was water from the clouds. Let, let's let's come back to the air. Let's come back to the aerosol program. What is the net effect to our environment and the ability of Earth to sustain life from the aerosol program? A, a mitochondrial apocalypse. When you have a nanoparticle barium, it's ten thousand times more toxic to the uh, zinc metalloenzymes and all living things than lead and mercury. Do we have a bigger problem of of all the problems we've got politically, militarily, industrial complex, new world order? All of all of that, is there any bigger problem that we've got than that aerosol spraying program? Yeah, we, there's the biggest problem is the uh, cyber cash, because all these other things can be dealt with. The, within two and a half years to four years maximum, if you stop spraying in the upper atmosphere, it'll fall to earth and be bio accumulated in, in life forms and they'll basically die and no longer exchange it and you can you know deal with it in that way the problem okay. is cyber cash which we're heading toward in india for example in november they went to cyber cash and the lowest denominations of the rupee are gone now so thousands of people every month are dying because they won't go to the bank and get a bank account and get digitally scanned their iris their face and their fingerprints so thousands of indians are dying in the lower classes because they have no means of exchange to buy food or work. Okay, we're not going to have enough time to talk about the Cashless Society tonight. Is there a chance you could come back sometime in the next two weeks? Uh, yeah, I can come back. I can answer any questions. As I say, I will provide a solution to any problem that mankind has on the earth, but they need to realize they need to do three things. Well, I got some, po I got some folks pray, that pray I, want, I want to... They need to pray on it. They need to pray on it. They need to filter all the foolishness that other people are saying that is not true or only partially true. And number three, once they have a convincing, at least a portion of this, they need to do something about a Congress, their contact their congressman, their senator, do something publicly, write papers on it, put out videos. They need to actually listen to the program and get themselves personally protected because what's coming is this year, almost certainly economic chaos and a pandemic. That's okay, now that, that let, let's, this year let's and next, it's going to happen. And that's only one of the spasms of birth pangs that's coming on this planet. Believe me. The day after tomorrow, superstorms, which we had this winter, uh, snows in the Aegean in the Aegean areas, and the rise of a seamount off the eastern coast, we're near near Pompeii, in Italy, means if these things blow, including the seamount off of Oregon, we're going to see the dance of the Thunderbird off of the coast of Oregon, and we're going to see a collapse of the coastal populations off of British Columbia and Oregon and northern Washington and northern California. We've got about nine minutes. We've got about nine minutes, and I'd love to talk for that nine minutes about uh, the situation, the battle that's going on with the cabal and the establishment, the uh, uh, column, uh, column, the globalist, whatever you want to call them. But there, there's a battle going on with President Trump and these guys. Uh, they seem to be in retreat because there, there seems to be enough uh, critical mass of people that are now onto the, the deep state that they cannot recover recover from where they are but they are in a fighting retreat and and they're and desperate. Don't, don't, don't assume that they remember now the most intelligent being on earth and in the universe other than the creator god is lucifer himself we're dealing with a super intelligent being that even though he looks like he's in retreat they're getting ready for the next phase for example a lot of people think that it's just going to be by happenstance 
that the world economy is going to crash. And you don't see them running around like scurrying, like, you know, demolition experts putting bombs into the world economy. Give you a good example. In the last uh, few weeks, uh, Christine Lagarde has said that she wants to replace the U.S. dollar with the special drawing right. We have Yellen, who for eight years put up with Obama and never raised the interest rates to make him look really good. But she's promised now that now that Trump is actually growing the economy and it got almost 300,000 jobs just in February, she's guaranteed that what she's going to do now is she's going to raise the interest rates on our debt, which is $20 trillion, a percentage point for every percentage of increase in the economy each quarter. So what we have is we have to understand the same thing with Christine Lagarde, with, with uh, Marie Le Pen in France with Brexit. With the loss of, by the way, the, the, the leader of Italy that recently lost the elections there, he received donations and support directly from the Clinton Foundation. Did you know that? And these globalists basically don't, people, people don't realize this. Norway was giving the Clinton Foundation $50 million a month, not a year, to do their globalist bidding. Okay? So what's going on right now is don't believe they're retreating at all. They're getting ready for the next phase, which is economic collapse a cashless society, a pandemic, and total control. Because if you have a situation where you have a pandemic, you've got to completely control the population. You've got to have to have forced quarantine. You're going to have to have forced vaccinations with God knows what in those chips, including could be heavy metals or a tracker chip or God knows what, or a lethal chip if they hit the specific locator code. They can use your cell phone to find where your geolocation is and then hit that chip. Because remember, it's not just to mean a matter of the reader distance to your your chip, if they can get access to your cell phone, they can send an activator code to your cell, to your chip in your body, or they can do it through smart chips that are embedded in the walls, buildings, floors, whatever in your cities. So for people to say, like I've had arguments with idiots who don't understand the microchipping industry and what's going on, they want to make smart grid so that every building, roadway, and sidewalk has what's called smart dust in it, and including the geolocation of your own cell phone, can tap into, directly tap into your central nervous system your biology and even hit you with a lethal chip that'll kill you. Just like they can now tap into your car as Evolve 7 came out and said they can step on the accelerator to your car and drive you right over a cliff. People will say, no, they can't do that. That's sci-fi. You're an idiot. Yes, they can do it. Evolve 7 comes out, and I knew about this for years, but I was thought as a nut, and I was going to be told by the Colorado board, you need to get a psychiatrist for five years, Deagle, because you shouldn't say this stuff. And I'm telling them to go to hell. Okay. Because this is a fact. It's an ugly, ugly, satanic fact. But unfortunately, it's now all coming up. Now, if people think that we've won, are they kidding? Because if these Republicans don't get on side for the reconciliation bill, and this is not going to fix health care, and they don't get the tax uh, revolt fixed, they don't fix the border and terrorism, we have 9.7 million Americans. All these Americans that are Muslim, 51% support Sharia law, and 72% of the mosques in America are already radicalized. And first and second generation Muslims believe that if they have a large enough minority, they can force Sharia law, including genital mutilation, Sharia law, and honor killing. You don't well, believe it? What, well, let, let me ask you if you know anything about uh, what was planned. Uh, if uh, Hillary, for example, got into office, it's my understanding that there was a plan to... Uh, basically make it acceptable, the pedophilia that was going on. and is Of course it was. Make, fact, they were trying to make fact, it acceptable. They're, actually, they're trying to drop the pedophilia age down to, I think, 10 or 12. 
and that that's one of the reasons. That's one of the reasons why they were they were trying to implement Sharia because Sharia accepts that kind of thing. Well, you, people don't understand this. A prepubertal male that's not in puberty yet is an object for sexual activity, and they don't consider it homosexuality. That's why in Afghanistan, it's perfectly considered normal activity to have uh, prepubertal sex with a male because females are not available, and that it's not considered homosexual. You also don't understand you can actually have what's called a temporary marriage. So you can go to see a prostitute. You go to your imam, and he'll give you a certificate. You can have a two-hour temporary marriage, and you haven't broken the marriage vows. The wife cannot divorce the man, but the man can stand outside his tent and say, I divorce you, I divorce you three times, and you're gone. And all you have to do is go to the imam and give a certificate, and she's gone. And if she does something wrong, the hadith says, you can beat her with a stick of a specific size, or you can kill her. Now, people say, well, not all Muslims believe that. I say, yeah, but they'll all defend it because it's part of what's called taqiyya and maruna. So, like Bill Warner says, there's no such thing as mild or moderate Islam. It's just Islam. Now, not a lot of Muslims are good. You can go to Britain and find guys who've never read the, the, the Quran or the Hadith, and they're standing there in a bar drinking a beer. And they say they're Muslim because they maybe go to the mosque once in a while and they hang out with their Muslim buddies. So most of them are pretty sloppy like a lot of Christians in America. The fact is they're still Muslims, and if they started publicly saying things against Islam, they're going to have a fatwa of them and her daughter, and if she's heading off to school, they're going to kill her on the way to college or university. Well, so, we are we are out of time, and I this has gone very quickly. Um, I'd like to I'd like to close this with a prayer tonight. I think it's important that we uh, we do that. Um, can I can I do the prayer uh, for for uh, everyone tonight? Well, um, I was going to do it, but uh, I'll I'll make a brief, and you can do another prayer, okay? Uh, Dear God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, bless the people with uh, touching their intellect, touching their souls, and giving them the will and the spirit and the courage to tell the truth and ask better questions. We pray that tonight was a stepping stone toward the truth and toward an army of God, that the bride, which are people listening, for those who hear and believe before the times of trouble, they also are called. May you bless these people with the truth, empowerment, and prepare them as a bride ready for the bridegroom. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next week with uh, walls in our minds. Yeah, God bless, and I hope it uh, touches people. I hope they wake up, and if they don't believe it, if you have enough, Cajones, uh, uh, call into my show. The David played, and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do you? Well, it goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift, the baffled king composing, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. you
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 